The time is 1893, and novelist and inventor H.G. Wells invites you to join him on a flight from London to San Francisco. A romantic adventure, a breathless chase around the world and across a century. Time after time. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. I'm having a healthy choice bar. Everyone should have one. From time to time, Aaron will decide, I know we're recording, but why don't I get a little snack to enjoy while we record? That's not a good instinct. At least it's soft. Okay, so people get to... (laughs) gross chewing sounds and okay good times this week i'm not not on a bow well thank jesus for that at least anywho this week we'll be discussing the science fiction classic Time After Time starring Malcolm McDowell Mary Steenburgen David Warner and all the rest. <laughs> oh my God. Sweet Jesus. Now, Aaron, this was your movie choice, if I recall correctly. Oh my God. This was 14 year old Aaron porn. I love <laughs> this movie so much. I had seen it 10,000 times. Because, you know, back in the old days, like the movie channel or whatever was streaming. Just kept showing the same movie. There was like five movies, and it would just loop yep. perpetually. So I had seen this ten thousand times, and then I took a forty-year break. And you hadn't seen it since then, since the early eighties. I had not seen it since then, and um, it, it's not holding up. I mean, there's a reason <laughs> why people are still not talking about it. I mean, people my age are like, oh yeah. They'll remember it. They remember it existed. They remember it existed. They may not remember (laughs) what happened. Uh, But, oh, yeah. Took me back. Took me back. This is is early. This is 19... I think it's... Is it 79 or is it 80? 79. My uh, first year of high school. Sweet Jesus. I remember... The same way you do, being on HBO a thousand times. I vaguely remember from that, and I feel like I watched it again fifteen years ago or something. I, I have like like I remember I remember Malcolm McDowell going into McDonald's and having palm frites. Oh he's like smelling it and everything. <laughs> right. I like why in the hell do I remember that? I don't know. But I think because I saw it. Lo- he, you thought he was looking for a little in and out because you're like, how can you have Malcolm McDowell from a clockwork orange is now Mr. Uh, Goofy Grape smelling palm fritz at a, at a McDonald's <laughs> in San Francisco. You're waiting. That is correct. Again, a little of the ultra violence. <laughs> that, that is exactly correct. That is exactly correct. Now, truth be told, I mean, 70s era. And frankly, his whole career. If you ask me what are, can you name five movies that Malcolm McDowell was in? I'm not sure I could. I I remember time after time in Clockwork Orange. Now he's, I'm sure he's been in 10,000 things. He's been kicking around. I just saw him in Father Stew. He played an old withered Catholic priest. So there you go. He's still, he's the hardest working man in show business. Clearly. Gotta do it. Uh, I think he's got like six kids. They're probably your age, though. <laughs> <laughs> At least for openers. Why don't you give us your 30 second synopsis of Time After Time? Time After Time. So H.G. Wells, back in, I think it's 1893, I think we open up. He's got uh, all his little buddies in his living room for his Explorers Club, and he's got the big reveal, and they're just waiting for his good friend, uh, John Leslie Stevenson, uh, to appear. Uh, But he's a little late, because apparently he's Jack the Ripper, and he's like carving people up at dinner time. 
So he arrives. They're about to make. Uh, they're making the grand introductions. The the big reveal. H.G. Wells has invented a time machine. Knock knock knock. Police. Uh, Jack the Ripper jumps in the time machine. Poof. He's in San Francisco. H.G. follows him. Falls in love. Uh, hunts him down. Almost loses his love. You know, goodness always triumphs. And they all decide to go back. Back to the future. No, back to the past. And uh, live their righteous selves. Exploring free love and women's rights. The end. Very good. Now, okay, we talked about how you literally had not seen it since 1979 on home box office. Um, you didn't see it in the theater, though. It was just on cable at that time, right? I think it was cable. I don't remember seeing it at the theater. Yeah, I, I like like we said, I, I think I saw bits and pieces at that time on cable. And then I believe I saw it in its entirety for the first time 15 or 20 years ago. And then that was it. Yeah. So. Oh my God, I loved it so much, especially the end. And now I look back. In horror, it look, it's a little ridiculous. The end is so melodramatic, but I still like the end. <laughs> him, I mean, it was so sappy. It speaks to four, my fourteen-year-old uh, sense of of love and everything. Please don't kill her. Oh, oh, oh very. He yes. Malcolm was was earning his paycheck that day. Uh, say what you want. Now let's jump in with the highlights. Do you want us to go first? What you got? Oh my God. Well, first of all, I love David Warner. David Dynamite. Warner always plays a good baddie. He's always very menacing. You don't you don't imagine him ever telling a joke, and it's always low key. He's not running around like, uh, what's his name, uh, Dr. X, who's in Split. No, he's not acting crazy <laughs> like that. It's all toned down and menacing. He, he like makes a threat and looks at you, and, and you know he's going to carry it out. But at one I, point, he's wearing a John Travolta disco white suit, and, well, and, and women are drawn to him. Bing, bing, bing. He he pulls into the bank to exchange more currency, and he's wearing like a blue turtleneck and a crazy denim vest. And I'm like, what in the? F <laughs> he's really. I mean, is he hanging out on Hate Hate Ashbury? What is happening? He is super fly. He rolls in, and he immediately he, he like apparently just travels with gold sovereigns. So he immediately. Uh, buys clothes, whereas uh, HG has been wearing the same outfit for six weeks, and and, and immediately, but it's also he immediately finds a chick to sh uh, shack up with. Thank goodness. Who never mentions the fact that he's wearing the same outfit every day, same chonies. They're getting busy, and he and he must stink to high heaven. Well, they they definitely yada yada the the fact that Jack the Ripper has a money belt that he brought with him from the past. He just happened to be wearing a money belt full of riches when he's out just walking the streets of London in 1893. You just don't know. You don't know when you're going to need it. Right. Like Al Capone <laughs> and, with like $10,000 in his wallet. Right. Well, I mean, poor HG is sleeping in the park the first night. He doesn't have After a pot to piss in. After he stole his housekeeper's earrings, he didn't really even ask her. He just looked at her and pulled off. What if those were like her mother's or something? <laughs> Not anymore. And he sold them all for 400 bones. And that was that. Got some palm frites from McDonald's. <laughs> I like that he just sat down with strangers, too. It was like sharing a table. That's very European. We, we don't be doing that in America. Hey, people who come to America, there's no like family sitting at McDonald's. If someone's at a table and there's an empty chair, keep moving. But I mean, his defense, it was packed. It was rush hour at the local McDonald's, which later he refers to as that fine Scottish restaurant, McDougal's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Good times. Um, there's oh, that scene. Oh, go for Did it. you see Baby Corey Feldman? 
Yes, I wrote that down. Yes, when when HG. Oh God, we have to talk. Okay, let's talk about Corey Feldman. So Corey felt little in his screen debut. Corey Feldman is the one saying, "Mommy, mommy, what's that guy doing in the in the time machine in the museum?" Mommy, crazy, crazy Corey Feldman. Yes, I, I highlighted that. We have to talk about the workings of this time machine because it ha- there's so many bits and pieces to it that make, that make no, G- sense. no GD sense at all. So if you take the time machine and you don't have the key, then the time machine will just like be recalled back to 1893 without you. It, it is that what it is? Off. It's a one-way taxi. It drops you off. And then returns. Okay. Now there's another thing that's another kind of, I don't know, another key or an outside key. The dark crystal. The dark crystal. That that one sends you to, with David Bowie into the labyrinth or something. Well, and it's like, if you pull that out, then it just shoots you into, into the future or what? Into oblivion Tom Cruise. Is that what you're telling me? So, but there was a lot of like, there's a lot of room for error. Let's just say that. I mean, in a way, it's almost like they had to come up with, okay, if Jack the Ripper steals the time machine and goes into the future, then how does H.G. Wells get to follow him? So we have to come up with this this contrivance that brings the time machine back to H.G. Wells so we can follow him. So that's the importance of the key, right? If you travel for time, I didn't see a dial that said city. So if you leave London and you travel into the future, you go to San Francisco because that's all that's left of, of humanity in 1979. November 5th, 1979. I know. It's, a, no, it's always November 5th, evidently, when you're traveling through time. Now, what they, the reason why they had to come up with another, another contrivance, if... You get in the time machine in London, and then while you're traveling through time, somebody discovers the time machine because it doesn't, I guess it doesn't move. It just stays in that place. If they discover the time machine 100 years later, and then they move the time machine somewhere else, then that's where, wherever they moved it to, that's where you end up. So okay. the time machine has to physically exist in the future. So in 1978, if someone dismantled it, but you in in, in 1893, what happens? Uh, then I guess you're zapped off to oblivion with Tom Cruise. I guess. Side of the moon. Yeah. Well, and and I guess if you watch the movie The Time Machine, the original one with Rod Taylor from the 60s. That was kind of the thing where it's just like the time machine doesn't move, right? So it's like he's sitting in the in the chair of the time machine and you can see like the flower like opening and closing next to him because time's passing. Right. And then you see the flower like, like he stays in one place and it's just kind of like you're essentially you're in a state of suspended animation really is what it is. The world moves on without you, but you're staying in the same place, but you just don't notice the time change, I guess. So if somebody takes the time machine and dumps it in the ocean, and then you teleport into the future and it's just the bottom of the ocean, you're just, I guess you drowned at that point. What if the time machine was at the base of Mount Vesuvius and, and that chooses to erupt again? Do you just wake up? You're one of those little plaster people that they find in uh, Pompeii. There is there is something in the time machine movie where something like that happens. Basically, he's in, he's in the thing. He's in the time machine and you see like rock just form over him. But luckily, he chose a, a time period 100,000 years in the future. So the rocks form over him and then erode off of him again. Luckily. I, like, I guess if you just chose, you know, right as the eruption's going on, then you're just dead, right? You wake up in a pool of lava and that's the end of your story. I don't, I don't so know how this works. It, it needed to be made out of a material that never arose or decomposes because it needs to physically exist for a hundred thousand years and a hundred thousand years back. Yes, that is correct. 
<laughs> is it made out of diamonds? Is it? No, it can't even be diamonds because what if the pressure? It, uh, I don't know. I don't gold? Know. Gold doesn't tarnish, but it's but very soft. soft. So you get squished. I. Yeah. I don't know. I can't explain I it. But that's yeah. why. That's why he winds up in San Francisco instead of modern day London. Like they, they said that they found the time machine in his basement uh, after World War II. And now there's just the H.G. Wells, you know, museum piece that moves around the world that people go and look at, including little well, how Corey old Feldman. was H.G. Wells? Because we're assuming he's a what, at least 35 in 1893 and, and he's still kicking his shit around after World War II? He, he, um, I will tell you, he was alive into the, into the 1940s. Oh. So let me look this up. H.G. Wells. This is important information. He, uh, from 1866 to 1946. Oh, not bad. So there you go. So he was still around. Another interesting little point is that the woman, he, so he meets Mary Steenburgen, who works at the currency exchange at the bank, the Bank right. of London, which is why uh, Jack the Ripper chooses it. Um, her name is Amy Robbins. And if I look at Wikipedia, I see that H.G. Wells' spouse, his second spouse, Amy Catherine Robbins. Coincidence? Did she go back in time and kill his first spouse with Jack? And, and ate her body. No, um, she, they, they were, yeah, she was a chud. That is correct. That is correct. Um, one thing, so basically, essentially, they combined the time machine, right, from the H.G. Wells novel with Jack the Ripper, which was a contemporary thing going on in the 1890s. So that, that was kind of an interesting conceit. I yes, mean, I'm down with it. I mean, uh, the the time, the actual time travel uh, was like a poor man's MTV kind of situation. But oh yes, 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 interesting for the time. Well, and that, so it's like when he travels through time, it, it's it is like a crazy psychedelic altered states kind of thing going on there, if over and over again. Yeah, if only <laughs> it is altered states. Yes. So there's a, there's a multiple scenes in this movie where it's H.G. Wells. Because, yeah, back in the 1890s, he's like, oh, I'm all for free love and socialism and the world of the future will be utopia. Right. Free and <laughs> he's big on free love. And evidently that's the thing about H.G. Wells is that even though uh, his marriage to... Uh, Amy Robbins is is suggested to be this grand romance. He cheated on her incessantly. And he felt and he was arrogant about it. I looked it up. They said he was kind of like, hey, I should be able to have as many mistresses as I want, but she should not. For appearances right. sake, she should be chased. Oh, so he was isn't, isn't that interesting? Philanderers always feel that. <laughs> so he's down for free love as long as the free love's coming at him, is basically right. what it is. In the movie, like she's this big advocate for women's rights. Methinks his attitude with screwing around is not going well with yeah, women's rights. He, he, right. he yadda yadda at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come back, you can do that. Uh-huh. Sure. What kind of accent did Mary Steenburgen have in this movie? It almost oh. seemed like she was Brooklyn or something. Oh, my God. There's so much wrong with Mary Steenburgen. Oh, poor Mary Steenburgen. Hit me. I love her in Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I always thought she was such a rockhead with this. She's in San Francisco, but she has a New York accent, but she's from Arkansas. Is she just trying to cover up the Arkansas? What the f*** was that accent? It was a mess. And she looked like she was on drugs the whole time. Well, it was the 70s. It was the 70s. So there was a lot of, it was funny. It's every now and again, she dropped some kind of 70s. She's like, you know, smart guys really turned me on. It was that kind of, <laughs> turned me on. We don't say that as much these days. That really Everything turns me on. Said was so 
odd. Her whole character yes. was odd. But well, she was like desperate. Got, she was desperate. She moved him. Or she's like, I got it close because everybody's gay. She's complaining. Everybody's gay in San Francisco. Never heard that before. So uh, <laughs> she needed to, to pin him down. So what if he says crazy shit? So what that he's been wearing the same outfit for the weeks or months that we have yep. been together? But uh, I, I got to get to this man. It's not weeks or months, by the way. I think the movie takes place over the span of three days. But So in three days, she says, f*** this. I'm going to the future with, with this uh, sexy beast. She goes to the past. Have you even seen this movie? Good lord! <laughs> instead of back to, instead of back to the future, it's forward to the past. Forward to the past. That's the new movie. That's that's oh, this no, movie. But I always just found her so annoying. But apparently, uh, she curled his toes because they got married. They were married for ten years and had two kids after this. Isn't that crazy? Ten oh, years. Wow. Well, and he he is like in his mid thirties, Malcolm McDowell, when he made this movie. I mean, he was like twenty eight when he was uh, in um, Clockwork Orange, and the character is only supposed to be like fifteen or something. If you've read the book, oh, I didn't read the book because uh, yeah, it was horrific enough. I didn't realize they were so young because they made those guys look old. <laughs> They're old and good crotchety, but They're yeah, so old and just boosh. But that's the, yes, it, it's all craziness. Going from Clockwork Orange to now he's kind of this mousy, bespeckled guy with his crazy mustache. He's got range, it's, brother. Range. He's got range. Good old Malcolm McDowell. I want to go back to the beginning of the movie. Because uh, be before we know anything, we know this is a Jack the Ripper kind of movie. Because there's the right. scene where the hooker's talking to, you know, you don't see who she's talking to. Um and she's like, oh, you know, let's let's do this. And he leads, he's like points back to an alley where there's just fog just pouring out of this alley. Why is there only fog in the alley? You know what bothered? I mean, I, I didn't even notice that. But what bothered <laughs> me about the yes. Jack Ripper thing is the musical uh, pocket watch. They never address who the woman is. Is this a love? Is this his mother? Is this Susie Q down the road? They never address who this person is. Well, and that's all that's all fiction, right? We don't know anything about Jack the Ripper, really. Right. But I mean, so it could be story, anything. It could have been addressed because they made a point of prominently showing the picture yes. and playing that music over and over. Because well, and that's the thing. There Did isn't it come with the watch. It came with the exactly. It just, it's like, and it's just a snappy tune that was popular with the kids. It's K-pop of eighteen ninety-three. Well, because you wanted a moment where you know we, as the audience, know the tune and, and associate it with Jack the Ripper, and then maybe H.G. Wells is chit-chatting with Jack the Ripper, and he pulls out like his pocket watch, and the tune plays, which like tells the audience, oh. You're the killer, right? But there wasn't a moment like that. Instead, they're like having dinner and the cops bust in. And we have to talk about it. Okay, so Jack the Ripper is getting getting dirty with the prostitute in the alley. And then you hear a sound, and I remember this thinking this as a child watching this. It's like this. <laughs> and what you're supposed to think <laughs> is that's Jack the Ripper Slicing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He had a big lunch. <laughs> You're supposed to think that's Jack the Ripper, like slicing her, like it's a sound of like fabric tearing or something, Wait, uh, or flesh are you tearing. About with the prostitute. Yes. Jeez. Yeah, I thought that was the sound of of metal or, or the fabric and the, yes, being sliced. Yes, that's what it was. But, you know, six-year-old Kevin heard that. And I'm like thinking, did what he just fart? Old Kevin watching prostitutes getting killed. I remembered this scene. Oh. And I was confused by it because they don't show you anything. You just no. see her face and then you hear the... Okay, it does not sound like someone's just taken out a crime. <laughs> I, I thought that's what was happening. I'm like, this seems like a bad time to be ripping it. 
even at six years old, I was very, I was disturbed by the, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, keep it together, big guy. Oh, why you need to keep it together. I'm just telling you, literally, that's what I thought. I mean, it it stuck with me for 40 years. That's because I did not realize, I didn't know anything about Jack the Ripper or any of this stuff. There was just, you know, a faceless guy and a, and uh, a fancy lady going into an alley and then just ripping ass is all I thought was happening at the time. It's the farting alley. That's a very <laughs> British thing. That's where all that smoke was coming from, evidently. That was gas. And I have to say, so, okay. That being said, Jack the Ripper is wearing white gloves to murder the hooker. So his now there's blood all over his white gloves, which he promptly just sh- throws in his medical bag to easily be discovered later. I mean, I understand that they would wear gloves when you're out and you're you're about. Uh, but you know, it's not like they had DNA back then. You There's could- no fingerprints that they're checking. Yeah. They could just drop those. He, I guess, he's a cheap bastard and figured he'd just wash them when he gets home. <laughs> He just tossed him the medical bag. So when the cops arrive, now remind me, did the cops know how did, why did the cops come to HG Wells's house to look for Jack the Ripper? Do you remember? I thought they were doing a search of the area. They're doing a door to door, door to door search. And in that search, they find John Leslie Stevenson, which is a very interesting name. Why is that the name of Jack the Ripper in this movie? Why is he John Leslie Stevenson? It is a very dramatic name, and because it reminds... Who is it like? Isn't that like a Civil War dude with a similar name? There's the John Paul Jones? Yeah. I'm going to look up John Leslie Stevenson. John Leslie Stevenson. It's going to pop up time after time. Right. There's a pornographic film director named John Leslie. That's not who I want. No. John Leslie. Or is it? Or could be John Leslie Stevenson. Nope, nothing's coming up. Let me just try Google. I'm because I wonder if this was like somebody that the, that was suspected of being Jack the Ripper at the time. Is that possible? Or is this all nonsense? Because it seems like a very interesting name, John Leslie Stevenson. I think there's a John Wesley, like like our cousins, John Les John Wesley Stevenson, serial killer slash time traveler. See? So, time so that seems. If you're lost, you can look, and I will find you. Do, time do, do. after time. Okay. And anyway, fictional character, <laughs> so it okay. means nothing. So that was helpful. That was helpful. That was nice. That was a nice little break from talking. <laughs> from reality. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. And also I wrote down Willy Wonka's time machine. Because it, it kind of looked like the Great Glass Elevator in a way. Or like the uh, the boat. The way of knowing which direction we are going. Yep. Oh, oh, oh and here's... And glass. A lot of brass and glass with like buttons, like flashing buttons, and and again, eight rivets a- and jewels, like ju- jewels. Jewels. It's important to have it bedazzled. It was oh, basically like it was like a, if a slee stack had designed it. Frankly, it looked like the inside of a pylon with crazy crystals and things like that. That's an important. I thing. was hoping to get the time machine going. You just use your claw hands and rearrange the crystals. <laughs> you, you absolutely. That's how you do it. Uh, but so HG shows it to his drinking buddies, including Jack the Ripper, which I don't. We the audience didn't know he was Jack the Ripper at the time either. Right. right. It's like it's like five minutes into the movie, you know, faceless guy kills a prostitute. Then H.G. Wells is hanging out with his buddies, having dinner, drinking brandy or whatever they do. Toast and the then queen or whatever. Right. The whatever they do. Then the but the, the final member of their group, David Warner, arrives, John Leslie Stevenson. And 30 seconds later, we find out he's Jack the Ripper. It's my, they might as well have just shown us that he was Jack the Ripper in the opening scene. Right. Because it's like. This ain't M. Night Shyamalan. There was no twist at the end of the movie. Oh, my God. It's That's this guy. 
Was that the Ver- big reveal? I knew it all along. Damn you, Emma. I knew it all along. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. So there's the scene again at the beginning of the movie. So he kills the hooker. She screams. He runs off. And a cop instantly appears and looks down the alley. Like the cop would have seen Jack the Ripper running off with a bloody knife in his hand. This is one of those things that they do. It's a scalpel. Was it a scalpel? Well, that's what they assumed. I mean, it's not a machete. Did we see it? This is making no. me doubt myself. Or was it a straight razor? Or what, what, what was happening? I don't even remember. I, I'm just thinking Jack, Jack the Ripper lore. The, the, okay. I think it's a, it's a smaller knife. Like a, they, That's why they think it's a doctor. And, and, you know, everything is contradictory with that. Now, here's, here's another interesting question. H.G. Wells is like, oh, my God, I've unleashed Jack the Ripper into this utopia of the future. I've got to follow him. And then do what? Well, that's what uh, Jack the Ripper says to him. And, and you're going to do this how? You're taking me back how? What? Right! You weigh, you weigh like 105 pounds. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, okay. David okay. Warner's okay. got... David Warner's <laughs> on six feet tall. Uh, At least. channel like some of his omen stuff. And that's going to be the end of HG. <laughs> his head will get lopped off with a pane of glass just like the omen a mannequin head rolling down the street but that's what i'm saying it's like was he going to do some krav maga on him or something i mean how are you going to get him just appeal to his better nature say hey man exactly ridiculous we all do rash things and with prayer all can be forgiven in the afterlife but i think you realize that you're meant to come back and um, get hung in a public square or whatever the f- they used to do back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good agree. plan. Yeah, appeal to your better nature. <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, they go to the movies at one point, and there's a hilarious scene where H.G. Wells is hiding behind the seats because there's a lot of machine gun fire, and he's very, very concerned. When they leave the theater... Did you see what movie was on the marquee? Exorcist 4. Exorcist 4! <laughs> but I don't re- I mean, I didn't see Exorcist 4, but I assume it wasn't like a war military movie. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. There was no Exorcist 4, number I one. I hope not. And at the time they made this, there wasn't even an Exorcist 3 yet. Ha! <laughs> Well, it's the so. future. They figured it would be so successful, it would just keep rolling. They could have put like Tron 9 or something. Yes, that is correct. Uh, do you have any other scenes you want to talk about? I got a list here. Did you notice uh, the lady walking around in the clear plastic pants? Yes, I did. Oh Chesty LaRue was, was strutting. I mean, she must have been a streetwalker as well, right? Or she just, Dude. this is the 79. <laughs> All I can tell you is that it was like a real thing that I remember seeing people wear on American Bandstand. For reals? For reals. Plastic pants and clear plastic wraparound skirts. They were things. I just think you'd be sweaty as hell and they'd be fogging up. Oh, yeah. And it was very important to dress like you were a dancer. So everybody wore leotards, which are fabulous when you're at club drinking and dancing. Then you got to make a whiz. <laughs> you just have to peel it off yourself, basically. No, you, you have to slide it over to the side. Oh, no. Okay. That, that's too much info. It's too much. stuff over. I, right? that... Come on. You're very, very... Uh... Very concerned about such things. We live in a house full of women. We, no one's wearing full body leotards all the live long day or plastic pants and skirts for that matter. Thank well, Jesus the first for that. Thing women don't want to do is have to completely disrobe <laughs> in a public restroom and just sit there half naked while people are peeking in the cracks to see if you're done yet. Which is why the pantsuit comes in and out of style, but it never lasts long. Because once again, that requires you to basically (laughs) drop your entire wardrobe onto the floor of a nasty public bathroom. Let me say this. When I've used public bathrooms, if the door is closed, 
I just, I take it, okay, say no more. I'm not peeking through the crack to see what people are doing in there. I'm not doing that. I assume these people are going to like the Viper Room or CBGB where there's probably not even a a door. This is the night at the Roxbury where it's just (laughs) peek right in. Let the good times roll. And then the only other thing I really had, there were some kind of cool shots of like David Warner driving in a cab with like lights kind of going by. Yeah, where the se- the second unit got to shine. But there were there were some moody kind of interesting shots while he was out on the cruise. There's a scene when H.G. Wells is trying to track down Jack the Ripper at like the red light district essentially and he's walking down the street and there's essentially just a woman in a cage on top of a pole dancing around not in the club just on the street i think is that how they did it i think that was a thing (laughs) i think that was that's an old thing it's upsetting to me me, but i'm desperate to google that right now. do not google it do not want to know anymore well, San Francisco, uh, I mean, you had the O'Farrell Theater with the, uh, you, you had all kinds of funky business. It's, it, it's a free land for free people. Just ask Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> At one point, they go to lunch together, and then she just never goes back to work. Did you notice no. that? <laughs> That's how you get fired. Work. That's how you get fired. They're up in the and, Redwoods and- at one point. They're cruising around. I mean, what is her job? She just sits at a booth and, and changes money? Is that like a minimum wage job? I, it's not like she's a loan officer. No, what she do you, just she just does currency exchange. Yeah, you get uh, you charge them 1% or or that's got to be a minimum wage job. She's dressed like she's the CEO. I'm sure it's not a minimum wage job, but you're you're absolutely right when you're saying goes, the exchange, uh, the, the currency exchange, the guy who unplugs the toilets, and then it just goes up from there. <laughs> I mean, I would think the person who has to clean the bathroom should get paid more than the person who goes, uh, the pound is 1.35. All you need is a okay. calculator. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, granted, you don't need an advanced degree to do that but at one point she was offended because he because he said you should come back with me and she's like well hang on i've got this career that i've devoted my life to currency exchange is my life i'm a liberated woman i'm a liberated woman i mean that everything about her was irritating and that was such a stupid thing to say she didn't start her own business She's literally sits there all day yakety schmacking with, with her little homie there and and tra- changes currency. It's got to be the most boring thing. It's It's got to be right up there with uh, the cashiers at Las Vegas about how exciting a job it is. Well, it, I mean, and her, her, her job is so unimportant that she could just go to lunch, never come back, and no one cares. Yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. So that's the biggest bullshit. I mean, everything about her character, all her dialogue, everything is so fucking annoying. It's really about these two guys. I mean, I like the ending where he's begging for her life and all of that. I really do. It's super mushy. But uh, the rest of the time, I'm going to stab her. Is that the seventh F-bomb or the eighth? (laughs) You're putting me to work on this one. Sweet Jesus. No! Damn you! Damn you! So, you're telling me. Later in the movie, he gets arrested because people think that he's... They think he's the killer because of course jack the ripper is now killing people in, in modern times go to the police and he tells them that he is a sherlock holmes <laughs> so now he's a crank so now he knows too much so you're damn right he gets arrested i mean we, it's stupid for such a genius he says i'm sherlock holmes again keeping in mind that sherlock holmes was a well-known literary character in his time right. so well, it, assumes we wouldn't know it anymore i he see you should probably test that out before you bring that out. I'm Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So he thinks 
Jack the Ripper is now come to her apartment to murder her because he figured out that he, she's working with H.G. Wells, basically. So one, they're scared and they're nervous. So then, and then she breaks up with him because she finally realizes, because she's stupid, that he might be insane. Right. Still wearing the spats and the same outfit from six weeks. Well, because he t- he finally told her, I'm from the distant past, and I'm H.G. Wells, and I came here in a time machine. So then, then she's like, deuces. I may be desperate, but I ain't that desperate. Um, but so there's this- in fact the Time Traveler's Wife? So is the new movie The Time Traveler's Wife, in fact, about their relationship? It is. It stars Mary Steenburge and as herself. As herself. Uh, based on a true story that's what they say now okay so later they they release hg wells because he's like you gotta let me go because you know my girlfriend's gonna be murdered at this time and of course they don't let him go because they think he's nuts and somebody was murdered now hg wells are seeing where he's just walking kind of aimlessly and then suddenly there's mary steenburgen and she's being held prisoner by evil Jack the Ripper. How did they know where H.G. Wells is going to be? Did they just bump into him? Why didn't he just leave? Oh, because he <laughs> wants the key. So he has to be available because he needs the key. But my question is, how did they know H.G. Wells was going to be where he wound up being? They just bumped into him at a random spot. There was no, like, meet me at this time, at this hour, and bring the key. Well, maybe Jack the Ripper and uh, whatever the hell her name is are just taking cable cars all through the city, <laughs> hoping to run into him. <laughs> They're going door to door, Having much like the police. Pepperoni. It's a San Francisco <laughs> treat. It is a San Francisco treat. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. Anything else, or can we move on with our lives? I, I, I have said all I've come here to say. Well, let us go behind the scenes shall we we shall all four of the real hg wells children were still alive at the time of this film's release oh that's wild were they consultants well they were not (laughs) malcolm mcdowell listened to recordings of hg wells to prepare for this role and upon hearing it he's like they the voice was high-pitched and very Cockney-ish. So he said, F it. I'm just going to do my own voice. Yeah. He's like, I can't do this. People are going to laugh at me. I ain't doing all that stuff. Um, there's a deleted scene where Wells meets a, meets a punk rocker with a ghetto blaster. He's just blasting and their fun interaction. It got cut, but the director dragged it out again for when he directed Star Trek for the voyage home. Use that ah! scene. Yeah. So H.G. Wells is in fact in Star Trek: uh, The Voyage. Home. It's a, it's the shared universe. That's correct. <laughs> it's the multiverse. Um, let's see. The movie's title inspired the hit song by Cyndi Lauper, "Time After yeah! Time." See, yeah. it was porn for her too. If you're lost, you can look, and I will find you. In 1983, she browsed through a copy of TV Guide for imaginary song titles. <laughs> That's how deep her music gets. She's just like, I'm just flipping through the TV Guide, whatever I can come up with. All right, she did go to that whole weird wrestling phase with Lou Albano and all that. Captain I- Lou. Captain Lou, I still love Cindy Lopper. Remember when she used to be on Celebrity Apprentice with Crazy Dog? I remember. She was nuts. I will say this. I love her. You know what? I I will say this. I used to watch Celebrity Apprentice every season. I thought it was hilarious. Me too. And the realities have ruined it for me forever. So it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. I, at one point, at least on The Celebrity Apprentice, had a positive feeling about Donald Trump. I did, too. him to be president. He seemed like a reasonable person. He did. He absolutely seemed like a reasonable guy. His kids seemed intelligent and charming. I loved uh, his daughter. Ivanka. Ivanka was clearly the brains of the operation. The, The boys were knuckleheads. 
they were fine. Let's. I mean, clearly not. we know they're knuckleheads now, but Ivanka was always very uh, impressive. Uh, now it's all then, just a horror show. Were, yeah, even then I thought they were knuckleheads, but I had positive. I, I always had weird feelings. They seemed just like idiots. She seemed like she had it on the ball, and oh, lord, all down the crapper. No, but I would only watch the Celebrity Apprentice. I would never watch just The Apprentice. I only cared about celebrities getting messy. I did too. I did too. That you're was the fired. good stuff. You fired. I frankly, I watched the the. They tried to bring it back with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the host, and it wasn't nearly as good. Martha it just wasn't. Too. Not as it's, good. It's not as good. Anywho, Mary Steenburgen in this movie plays Amy Robbins, a 20th century woman who falls in love with a time traveler from the 19th century. In Back to the Future 3, she plays Clara Clayton, a 19th century woman who falls in love with a time traveler from the 20th century. Ooh. Coincidence. Time after time. (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. Uh... Amy Robbins, we know, was played by Mary Steenburgen, but originally the studio wanted Sally Field to play. That was the first choice. The studio wanted that. The director... like she would be too old. I mean, she she definitely would have been older. But keeping in mind that Malcolm McDowell was 10 years older than Mary Steenburgen at this time. So it, it she probably would have been a little bit older, but I don't think it would have been strange. All right. Um, then they the director wanted to uh, choose his girlfriend, Shelly Hack, who was one of the forgotten Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if that's better or worse because I found Shelly Hack annoying and I found uh, Mary Steenburgen. So annoying, I guess, is what they were going for. That's what they were going for. They were so going for go. Ding Dong against his more intellectual side. Great. The tune played by Jack the Ripper's Pocket Watch is based yes. on Charles Devon, the Spinner. You know it, don't you? When I think of the spinner, I I was thinking about 60 Minutes when they used to have these kids with autism where they'd spin these plates on the floor. That's that's exactly what they were going for. Uh, ABC produced a Time After Time TV series based on this film in 2017. Oh my god, uh, that's that's a little late to the game. A little late. Uh, the network removed the series from its schedule due to low ratings after broadcasting five episodes. Who was in it? I don't know. Somebody. Was still Malcolm McDowell. Still Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> was about 70 and she was like 55 or something. Malcolm McDowell was attracted to the script because he was looking for something different than the sex and violence from Caligula. Oh, <laughs> no, I forgot about Caligula. There you go. Add to the list. Three times. But Malcolm McDowell is not shaking his goods. Everybody else, though. Everybody. Helen Mirren's in that. Check uh, it out. Uh, he played Peter Caligula. Is in that. Yeah. Peter O'Toole's in it. Uh, who else? Uh, the, the, the butler from Arthur. Uh, uh, Gilgood. Gilgood. They're all in Caligula. I will not be tuning in to watch that. I don't think it qualifies for us, but I've in fact seen it several times. I, I believe you. I believe you have. Let's just say that. The director's first choice to play Jack the Rippard, the Rippard, was Edward Fox. I don't know who the hell that is. He was kind of, he's kind of like this, you can Google him. He's done a a bunch of things. He's in like a bridge too far, things like that. Very British, British guy. Very British. Um, Mick Jagger was considered for the part. Oh, that could have been good. Because actually Mick Jagger could be, is a good little actor. Well, they said they couldn't see him convincingly playing a Harley Street surgeon. Because you got to be kind of this upper crust guy. Yeah. Anyway, shall we talk about the cast? We have basically talked about them, but let's talk about them again. Malcolm McDowell played H.G. Wells. You know him from A Clockwork Orange. You know him from Star Trek Generations. 
You know him from Caligula. He was in Caligula. He was in Time After Time, and he he was in uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween as Dr. Sam Loomis in 2007. Interesting. Which I never saw. I won't see any more Rob Zombie movies. Because it's Rob Zombie. Yeah. No, thanks. I I did tell you my little tell about how I met Malcolm McDowell and had a little conversation with him. No. So uh, I was uh, up at Humboldt going to college, and... uh, I went up to Clam Beach because they said there was a dead whale. So my friend and I went up to go look at the dead whale. And they're apparently shooting a movie. Uh, so we had to walk around. And who... I had like this old-fashioned camera because I was going to take uh, some shots. And he's coming right towards me. I was like, holy shit. It's Malcolm McDowell. And this some blonde chick was like hanging all over him. And he stopped me and talked to me about my camera. I, I, he was the loveliest person. He's like, you know, we use cameras just like this to set up scenes, blah, 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 blah. He was just super friendly, asked what we were doing. Lovely. Oh, very cool. I was freaking somewhere in my pile. I took a picture of him. I, I have a picture of Malcolm McDowell. And I was just Googling him. I think that's his like wife. I think you're right. Well, we hope. I mean, no, no, because I mean, this was a thousand years ago, and she was like very clingy, clingy and giggly, and he was having like a cigarette talk. I was like, "Who is this?" Bimbo? But I googled her picture, and, and I think that's actually his wife, or his wife now. Well, I, I will say this: he is definitely top two of my favorite McDowells ever. Is so Andy McDowell and Malcolm McDowell? Roddy McDowell. <laughs> How dare yeah, Andy McDowell. McDowell's restaurant from Coming to America is number one. Uh, I will tell you, of, of those three McDowell uh, Dowls, oh my god, now I can't even speak. I'm having many strokes. Malcolm is at the top of the list. Mary Steve. Lovely, because I have met so many celebrities who are asshats. Ed Marinaro, Hill Street Blues. <laughs> Every, we always have weird interactions with these celebrities from Palm Springs. They're always impatient and dickballs. Ed Marinara. Good times. <laughs> um, Mary Steenburgen played Amy Robbins in Time After Time. You know her from Last Vegas? No. You know that one? She was in Step Brothers. I remember no. that. Oh, I did see that. She was uh, in Back to the Future Part 3. We talked no. about that. Never and time after time she's no, currently married to enthusiasm. that means she's nothing her- to me what you don't know, curb n- not religiously and are both on it that that's her husband good times right. so it, in curb your enthusiasm they break up so uh ted starts dating larry's wife and then larry thinks he's moving in on steenburgen and she's like shutting his business down <laughs> Good old Larry. David Warner played John Leslie Stevenson, the Jack the Ripper. You know him from Star Trek Six. What is this one? On Star Trek Six, the Undiscovered Country, Titanic as Spicer Lovejoy, Tron, nineteen eighty-two, In the Mouth of Madness. I love him from Waxwork, of course. I mean, Omen. he's the hardest one. The Omen? For God's sakes, he loses his head literally he and figuratively. And he wasn't even the bad guy in the Omen. Not the bad guy. Not the bad guy at all. I think that's it. I don't think we need to talk still, about it. He's else. still working. He's still doing his business. He's still working. He has voice. Oh, his voice is exactly the same. So he has that kind of deeper, uh, a little poshier British voice. Dynamite. Shall we talk about the rating? Time after time currently has an 88% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience, 72%. That's still pretty good. That's that's a lot better than I thought it would have. I think there's a lot of nostalgia perhaps there. What did you think, Kevin? Were you bored by it? Um, No. I wasn't bored by it. I think it's definitely dated. Um, But I thought it was an entertaining little romp, you know? 
Janet Maslin of the New York Times gave it 3.5 out of 5. A movie that's as sweet as it is clever and never so clever that it forgets to be entertaining. So there you go. Not bad. Now it's just, (laughs) she did give it a C. So, uh, (laughs) I love how she gives it a C and acts and writes it up. Like you cured cancer. That is absolutely correct. What did you, okay. What is your rating Aaron? Time after time. It is such a hard one because I remember just loving this so much. And now I'm watching this going, this is a little boring. I'm like, what happened? And then I get to the end and the end is so emotional and mushy that I'm like, uh, but uh, but I still like it. Uh, 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 uh. You're allowed to still know. like it. Hit me. I'm going to give it three and three quarters out of five uh, Malcolm McDowell's uh, begging for my life. Love you, Malcolm that- McDowell. That is a good scene. Um, I'm going to give it three out of five. <laughs> I thought it was. No, it's it's not. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, it's it's dated, but yeah. it's it's kind of in that way. It's kind of its own little time capsule, isn't it? I mean, it seeing, is. you know, what the, the inside of the McDonald's look like. Uh, the crazy McDonald's uniforms and oh yeah, I mean it's an interesting time because it's it's like the end of the seventies. You got the beginning of the eighties, so it is like a little compression. I mean, you have the lady in the plastic pants wearing a leotard, so it is a little kind of a a little treasured time capsule. Something like the seventies shows. I mean, I know I get that they were trying to put it so it looked like there were 70s but you know even if it's good it's really not like this this is a real little time capsule of that time absolutely it's it's fun it's not offensive even the jack the ripper stuff you don't see anything you see his bloody gloves at one point and you see you hear the that's that's all you get (laughs) that's all you get so you need to end the, the broadcast with the six-year-old Kevin of the ripping of the clothes. I just might. Uh, so thank you very much. Go to our page on Twitter at TPodcast, Die. Go to our page on Facebook at The Podcast That Wouldn't Die. Aaron, Instagram, anything? We're on the gram. We are the podcasts that wouldn't die. Most of our followers are, in fact, pornographers. So, <laughs> That's good to again, know. Stop saying, sending me messages on Instagram saying I've uploaded a new video because you're not getting my credit card. Not interested. Not, not interested. interested. But that being said, you can email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere the finer podcasts are available. So don't forget to like, share, rate, and review, if you will. Aaron, are you on social media? Indeedly do. I'm on the Twitski. I'm the Cult of Aaron. I'm on the Insta. I'm the Cult of Aaron. I'm also Don't Feed the Pigeon. Uh, I'm on Artsy, which is not social media, but you should still go buy some art for me. Aaron Doherty on Artsy, Aaron Doherty on First Dibs. Spend, spend, spend. <laughs> spend, spend, spend. I think we can all agree on that. I believe there's a picture of, uh, of my co-host, Mr. Kevin, that you could have blown up and placed over your bed if you'd like. As you should. I mean, absolutely. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Get one for all your friends. Next week, we'll be discussing the horror classic. You asked for it. You got it. We're doing Troll 2. And you can watch that on Amazon Prime Video for free, I think. Now, Kevin, I have to tell you that this is the first time I've seen any of the so-called troll movies. Yes. So would you say Troll 2 is better than Troll 1 since I'm going to kill myself before I see Troll 1 after watching Troll 2? Well, there's there's a huge backstory behind this. (laughs) 
The original, I'm going to give you a little taste of what you can look forward to. The original movie, Troll, uh, starred Noah Hathaway from NeverEnding Story, Michael Moriarty, J- uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. It's an it all-star like cast. Sonny Bono. So, <laughs> June Lockhart from Lassie. It was a, I, I don't want to say a successful film, because it was not. It was kind of a, you know... Blink if you'll miss it kind of movie, but it, it kind of had some success on home video. An unrelated movie originally called Goblins was made a few years later. Uh, and it was a steaming pile of crap, as we know. But in order to get try to trick people into watching it, they changed the title from Goblins which makes sense considering there are goblins in this movie and no trolls. <laughs> they changed it to Troll 2 to try to cash in on the, the uh, let's say, modest success of the original movie. So there you go. Unrelated. It was paper mache yes. costumes. That is correct. Ma- and one, one of the characters has paper mache eyes. That is I correct. I don't know how the small actor actually saw anything going around. They didn't, to answer your question. So there you go. So check that out. Send us any thoughts, feelings, comments, or questions about Troll 2. This is just a taste of the goodness that you will receive next week. So thank you very much, and be well.